the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Total Financial Hour is sponsored by TFS Financial Insurance Services and Total Financial Solutions, Inc. The information on this show is not intended to be the primary basis for investment decisions and should not be used to provide financial advice. Please obtain the guidance of a financial professional regarding your particular financial concerns. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. This program reflects the views of Arif Halaby, California Insurance License 0B93792 of TFS Financial Insurance Services. TFS Financial Insurance Services, California Insurance License Number 0F22477, provides retirement income strategy strategies using insurance and annuity products, which are guaranteed by the claims-paying ability of the issuing company. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher income strategy, learn from Arab Halaby. Learn about financial power. Total Financial Hour. Total Financial Hour. I'm Eric Pallaby, your place for news, talk, and information. We're here for two hours. Going to be answering your emails on the second hour. I need to give out that email. Some of you said, hey, you you didn't give us the email uh, address uh, enough. So grab your pen and paper. I'm going to give you both the phone number and the email address. I'll remember to do that a few times here. So if you have your pen and paper ready, send me your questions. I'll answer them either directly on the air or with you in person, whatever it might take. But it is Arif, A-R-I-F, Arif at T-F-S, stands for Total Financial Solutions. Just the letters, T-F-S Wealth, W-E-A-L-T-H, W-E-A-L-T-H. So TFSWealth.com. All right, look, we're going to get into a few things here, and, and if you didn't notice, I'm Arif Halaby. Uh, the CEO of Total Financial Solutions, uh, we're coming up in just about six weeks, we'll be on the air for 20 years. Does that look shocking to you? It's stunning to me because, you know, when you start something, you don't really know where it's going to go or how far or, or in this particular case, what the audience's response is and, and the the amount of radio stations we've been on. It's been It's been quite humbling and interesting, actually, all at the same time because it takes on a life of its own. So it's quite familiar to many of you. And it's become such a part of my life. Uh, more than one third of my life now has been on the air. Uh, so it's kind of interesting to, to go through this with you. All right, I want to go over a few things today. A lot of you are interested in what's happening with the insurance companies leaving the state of California. And this exodus that's occurring in Geico and State Farm and Allstate and Progressive why are these insurance companies leaving? And what does that do and translate to the rest of the state when it comes to insuring us and keeping us healthy and strong as a, as a strong, uh, I guess, a society, right? A functioning and, and structurally sound society. So let's start with a couple of things. If you can remember back to 1988. Okay, 1988, 
Proposition was on the ballot. Proposition 103. I know it's a long time for many of us. I just went through (laughs) what 20 years did. 1988, Proposition 103. Why is that such a big deal? Very simply, because 35 years ago, this particular uh, proposition was worded in such a way where you would ask yourself, what could go wrong? And why isn't this a no-brainer? And we should absolutely vote for it. And I recall I was 20 years old at the time. Yes, I voted for it. I remember very well. It was a big deal. And I thought, Proposition 103, car insurance. I'm a struggling college student. Of course I'm going to vote for this thing. Because it said insurance companies had to get permission from the state Department of Insurance, State of California Department of Insurance, before they could raise their rates. So when setting new rates, an insurance company cannot consider, wait, wait for it. They could not consider current or future risks to a property. What? Isn't insurance in the risk business? Aren't insurance companies designed, aren't they supposed to judge risk? Oh, you live next to the, the, the cliffs of Malibu, beautiful place, great, good job, uh, yet the undermining of dirt, right? If you go up and down PCH, I remember seeing when I worked as a, a policeman on, on the boulevard there, Pacific Coast Highway, actually, you would see that dirt would come down every once in a while. So we would see cliff sides kind of collapse, but they were so far back from houses Mostly, I mean, it didn't really matter. On occasion, you would get uh, what we call catastrophic collapses and you would see pictures of homes in the canyons that are on stilts that are barely being supported. I mean, we saw that all the time. But fires would come through. You have to consider that risk the same as a guy in the middle of the San Fernando Valley who has a three-bedroom, two-bath house in a neighborhood well-established Gutter systems, water runoff uh, systems, completely intact. Been tested many times with rains and floods and no problem. In fact, it's even, that home was built in 1959. It has gone through many earthquakes and still survived. So you have to rate that house the same as the one in the cliffs and the canyons in the Hollywood Hills. Is that ridiculous? Does that even make sense to you? And had somebody explained it that way and would be given the supported press release, press coverage, etc., that that would demand, then I think most of us would have not voted for Prop 103. But you did. So Proposition 103 happens. Well, along the way, listen, you have Pete Wilson, you have, uh, you know, Gray Davis, you have Governor Duke Magian in there, you have uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. So there's some left and right and conservative and liberal and center and et cetera. But it always had the support, the backup of a, of a legislature that was relatively equal, never 100%, but, but it balanced a little bit one way, a little bit the other way. But for the last 15 years now, what have we had? A left-wing, far-left governor, a left-wing, far-left legislature, state senate, 
state assembly. And they all work together to appoint the same people that belong to all of these agencies. So when these agencies are supported by the far left, who hate business, who hate capitalism, who don't like, quote, rich people, that's their words, not mine. So when Proposition 103 that was given some latitude, it was given some some direction, some freedom in 1988, we all said, yeah, that makes sense. Let's give that power to the State Department of Insurance. Let's give that power to the governor. Then when we do that, what happens? Well, what is what has gone on the last half, let's say five or five or eight years is when we've seen this move hardcore. Now, 14, 15 years, the left wing has been in charge, but I think they slowly started feeling the flex of their power. So what have they done with insurance? They don't allow companies to raise the rates. So the rate of increase for the guy who lives in the, on the cliff side or next to the, the mountainside with all the brush. I know I lived in a place like that. Right, I was up in Fraser Park where, where I had big trees next to my house, wonderful trees, but it got dry there, right? I mean, I've lived in the mountains. I would have expected to say I have a greater fire risk than a guy who lives in Chatsworth or Norwalk or Santa Monica and who lives next to a fire station or four blocks from a fire station. I didn't live four blocks from a fire station. So I would have expected to pay. That's logical. That's normal. That makes sense. But no, Prop 103 and the left wing has decided to not approve these rate increases. So what's happening? Very simple. Companies have left. Now, why have the companies left? Well, it's very simple. They cannot raise rates for things like floods and fires other natural disasters, they, they just can't. So it's a very common math problem. More money going out that's coming in. I know this is a shock to some of you, but insurance companies are in the business to make money. Their job is to not break even or give you a service at a, at a no cost or a low cost. They have salaries. They have pensions. They have health care, government-mandated health care, thank you, Obamacare, that they have to provide for their employees. They're a normal employer, just like where you work or worked. There had to be a profit or you got fired or they called it laid off, but it's the same thing. You just didn't have a job anymore. Well, that's exactly what they're doing. When Allstate Insurance moved its headquarters out of California, moved all of its offices out of California uh, over the years, and then over the, the last, let's say, five years, where did they move everything? To Scottsdale, Arizona. Why? Because it was better weather? Of course not. The weather here is much better, especially in the summertime. But what did they do with it? It's very simple. They said the state of California is not conducive for a business to be run profitably. So be careful what you vote for. Right? Voting season is coming up. You're going to see that. This is the, the big run-up. You're going to see some of these ballot measures. Some of them, some of them uh, were just on some of your, your local elections. But national elections coming next year, you're going to see tons of ballot measures. And they're always going to be like, it's for the children. Same reason you voted for this Prop 103. It's going to save you money. You're like, oh, I like to save money. I like children and old people and 
firemen. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like firefighters and old people and children. Nurses. We still like nurses. Right? So we're going to vote. So just put that on the advertisement. Have a paid actress or actor. Even if it says a real-life nurse on the bottom. A real-life firefighter. Right? It says that. gives credibility. Person has trained uh, literally for hours, folks. Hours. To smile in the camera. To have the right hairdo. To have the makeup person come. The uniform look just right. Not too much. Not too little. Don't overdo it. Don't underdo it. Pull the hair this way. Not that way. Completely Hollywood. Oh, but it's a legit nurse, doctor, fireman. Right? So don't be fooled by that. It's going to be on your TV. It is the left wings. Look, they're just much better at it than conservatives. You understand that? Conservatives stink at some of this stuff because it's emotionally driven. And conservatives generally aren't emotionally driven people. They're more of a logical direction. That's why you see people protesting in the middle of the day because it isn't logical to not provide for your family. It's emotional to say you deserve from the government because you're darker skin, lighter skin, taller, shorter, whatever they, their, their argument of the day is. So, of course, I deserve. Don't you understand? So the government's job is to give me. Whereas a conservative says my job is to get a job and keep a job and provide for my family and manage my money properly. It's a different world. It's not the same. Well, you're going to start seeing that happen more and more as the legislation comes up and it's going to be starting to, to, to get on TV here. Now, look, they understand a couple of things. It's only driven by a very, very, very small part of activists. They have to raise maybe 250000 one or two people that are very wealthy, put that money up. Now, I, look, I know to you and me, $250,000 is a lot of money. But let's put it in perspective. Would you donate $6, right, to, to put a message on that you believe? $6? Yeah, you go, yeah, yeah, I would donate $6. But that's not $6, Arif. That's 250 No, no, no. $6 to you is the same as 250000 to a multi-billionaire. Right? You think it's in raw numbers, 250000 They don't think that way. They think that's six hours work. You know, two days worth of work. I'll give up two. Would you give up two days worth of work? Let's say you make $800 a day. A lot of money. But if it's, if it's something you you felt in your heart would save your children and grandchildren, would you give up two days worth of wages? Yeah, you would probably. I'm guessing. And that's what they do. They say, listen, it's 250000 I make 150000 a day. Yeah, no big deal. You would see that, that these multi-billionaires, these activists, these George Soroses, of the world and his ilk. There's a lot of them, right? He's the poster child willing to take the, the heat on the front end, but he does that as a diversion. There's a lot more of these fascinating, interesting, in some cases, disgusting human beings that push the pro Hamas agenda that push the anti-capitalist agenda that push against the make America great. Look, president Trump is also a figure. You, you realize if somebody else was there saying what he said, having the same kind of wealth, I, I don't know if somebody else that could, but if there was, they would attack him too. They would go after him just as much. That's why you've never seen somebody, with all due respect, 
like Ted Cruz, who has the same amount of vitriol spewed against him. But but you don't see Ted Cruz standing up the same way that Donald Trump does. Because he doesn't have his wealth, he doesn't have his power, he doesn't have his personality. But pick somebody else. And I like Ted Cruz, by the way. I'm not a, not an anti-Ted Cruz guy. And before you send me your fancy emails at arif at tfswealth.com, realize I don't like everything anybody ever says. Always, forever, 100%. But remember when. That's the left wing's agenda. Don't fall into that, guys. You guys are smarter than that. You can like 70 or 80% of somebody and still vote for them and support them. Or you can like 60, 80, 90% of what somebody says and still be married to them. You understand that. Especially ladies, your husbands say things that you might literally or figuratively roll your eyes and you'll still be married to them. You'll still be, still be intimate with them. You'll still provide for him and let him provide for you. You'll still be a family and you'll go, gosh, I can't believe he said that again. I can't believe he did that when he had you know, one too many drinks. I can't believe he said that when he was with his buddies. You know that. How much less important is a politician to you? So don't think, oh, but you remember when President Trump said that thing with Billy Bush? I couldn't care less. I, I want to record your private conversations, people. No. Think about this for a second. There's going to be ballot measures that you're going to agree with in some level, but you have to understand they can be twisted, right? Just like when you vote for a politician because he's good looking or he's got a good smile or you like his hair, right? Prop 103 had all the right things written in it, had all the little safeguards and protections until it didn't. Today, Prop 103, Proposition 103 gave 1988, it gave so much power to unelected people that you wonder why the state of insurance is currently the way it is. So what did we have to do? We had to get this insurance, uh, California Earthquake Insurance Authority, the, uh, the authority, right? So all of a sudden you have, oh, wait, it's a state agency. Don't worry. There's nobody being corrupted in that. And the California Earthquake Authority don't, you know, the advisors. No, no, no. They didn't do their conference in Maui or, or in the Bahamas or in Key West, Florida. No, no, no. They didn't do that. No, no. They don't have uh, advisory positions in which they're being paid substantial amounts of money. Look, government agency. I didn't say private company. I don't care what all state pays its people. If you don't like them, you go to State Farm or, or Progressive or Geico. You can go to whoever you want. But you can't. If you're stuck where all of them have left, and now you have to use the California Earthquake Authority managed by the Democrats in the left wing, you're stuck. Is it unintended consequences or intended consequences? Have you asked yourself? I don't know the answer to that. I can't get into their minds. I don't have subpoena power to go look at their emails, but somehow, some way, surprise, we found ourselves right back where the left wing now with uh, the, the iteration over and over again of Prop 103's implementation. I feel like Jesse Jackson. I'm rhyming too much. <laughs> Prop 103 with the way they have laid out all of their 
I don't know, punishments, requirements, rules, they all have the same impact, which is in the end, you're subject to whatever Prop 103. So just be careful. You're going to see these uh, propositions on the ballot. You're going to see these bond measures. And the bottom line with almost every single bond measure, 99%, and I'm going to tell you, even if it's your little local pet, pet project, 99% of them should be no. They should be no. Do you think we should borrow money? No. But you didn't even hear what it's for. No, we're, we're broke. But air, if it's for the children, it doesn't matter. Children are fine yesterday. They'll be fine tomorrow. It's clean water. So, so wait a second. Gavin Newsom wanted dirty water last year, so this year he's supporting this one? Because he supported something else or he didn't support any new implementations or or bill clinton right bill clinton it was for the children and then what the second term now it's more now it's about clean air wait i thought did did we want dirty air before or it's cleaner air okay clean but now we have cleaner and then obama now we want clean air wait wait did was clinton about dirty air Uh, like when are we gonna and we have clean air when is that gonna happen and our water is fine we got it it's good we're, we're good. But you see, they will scare the daylights out of you. And they'll go to the, the special TV programs that show gun smoke and, and uh, you know, the lawless and what's his name? Marcus Welby, MD, right? Matt, Matlock. They're going to go to those TV shows and they're going to advertise. Again, pretty people. She's a real nurse. He's a real doctor. She's a real doctor that it, that helps children with cleft palate. Okay, wow. She's an honorable person. He's an amazing man. Let's vote for that. 100%. If you want to, like, oh, if I make a mistake, here's why I want you to make a mistake. 100% vote no on every bond measure. Oh, but Eric, the one but my local park measure X, Y, Z, for the local park so that the children have playground. Look, children are inside. They're on video games. Who do you think is going to get the contract to build that park? Yeah, a left-wing Democrat's friend, cousin, brother, mother-in-law, right? You understand it's not going to be for the children. It'll be an empty park like they are now except for the druggies and the homeless people. You want to make a difference, you start back at zero. You don't start at step 10. And you say, well, wait a second. Let's get our budgets in order. Let's make sure we're not spending more than we're making. Let's make sure that people have a healthy police department, strong, enforcing laws. Let's make sure the city attorney, the district attorney, which is a huge part of what's happening in Los Angeles County. And you realize Los Angeles County is a bellwether. It leads the direction of a lot of, uh, certainly a lot of California, but a lot of the progressive states. And if you're not voting for Deborah Archuleta, or somebody that is not Gascon, right? Look, Judge Archuleta, Judge DA, do I agree with her 100%? Of course not. Of course not. Do you? Probably not. Is she the best person for the job? 100% done over. I'm just telling you, you want to fix LA County, it's not voting for some other proposition for something we can't afford. You have to make it so people are not fleeing the state. Companies, like insurers, right? Property and casualty insurers, homeowners, auto insurance. 
We don't want them fleeing the state. We don't want other businesses fleeing the state. We don't want people that pay taxes fleeing the state where it's only homeless people or poor people that stay. We have to make it so that it's a healthy place to live. And if not, and you're leaving, well, I guess it's too late for you, isn't it? For a lot of you, it is. I don't blame you. I can't blame you. Right? My, my dad and mom left Michigan in 1964 because they said that there wasn't a future there for them to raise their family. 1964, nobody was even born yet. They weren't even pregnant yet. And they left 1964 to come to California because they said that's where their future was. A lot of people today are saying, listen, my young kids, my young families, this is not the future. It's going to have to collapse before it gets better. I'm, a, I'm in that camp. It's a math problem. I'm a math guy. I can tell you very simply, there is no way, not a little bit, not a lot, zero, no way that I can see whatsoever that California will fix its problem. It is not another bond measure, just so you know. It's voting out Gascon. It's supporting law enforcement. It's putting bad guys in jail. It's, yes, maybe building more jails. It's enforcing laws and not giving people, uh, you know, a way out because of their race or their religion or, sorry, you're a single mother, result of a single mother. Nope, sorry. How about no more excuses so that you can build wealth, happiness, a place for your family? Well, 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 well. That's racist. I guess the new word is white supremacist, isn't it? Gosh, they're changing. Changing so fast. Stay with me after the break. We're going to change for just a minute and come right back. On your place for news, talk, and information. I'm Eric Hallaby. This is the Total Financial Hour. Stay with me on AM870, The Answer. We'll be right back. Total Financial Hour. Learn about financial power. The Total Financial Hour. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher income strategy. Learn from Arif Halaby. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now Arif has a plan for me. Hey, welcome back to the show. Thanks for staying with me. I'm Arif Halaby, the total financial hour. We have two hours today, of course, with your emails being the second hour. We're going to answer those. Give some direction. Maybe you'll find some interesting things. Uh, one of them is very rare. It's an email that's that's very rare. That's why I decided to read it this weekend. Uh, I think you'll be surprised uh, when, we, uh, when we cover that email uh, at the second hour. All right. Continuing with your uh, – listen, it's your news. You guys are the ones making it. Some of you uh, – look, are are in supportive of Hamas. I know that sounds very weird. You might say, no, I don't support this, but I'm not a fan of Israel. Okay, I got you. Uh, what are you doing? Uh, are you standing up? Because you realize that's only, that very few employers and almost no educational institutions are standing up and saying, whoa, 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 whoa. Look, uh, let me be clear on something. I've been to the Palestinian territories, uh, territories on West Bank, not Gaza, but West Bank, been to Israel, been to the Arab sections of Israel, been to Lebanon, been to the uh, northern part of Israel, southern part, uh, not, not, not a lot, I've not been that far south, but almost everywhere else. 
Same thing with the Arabs' errors. Has any of these pundits, or are they just watching left-wing Hamas media that comes out of Qatar? Because I will tell you this. If you're gay in Israel, it doesn't matter. We walked in Tel Aviv, and so what? Nobody cared. Gay pride flags, there were people out, obviously gay folks hanging out, whatever. Nobody cared. Try to do that in the West Bank or in Gaza. Try to do that in Qatar. And I will tell you, there were massive amounts of Christians living full-time, part-time, you know, doing studies six months or so, doing different educational things in Israel. Did you see any of them? Can, can you imagine if you were uh, a Christian group in Gaza City, in Bethlehem? Now, if you stay in Bethlehem, if you're doing research in Bethlehem, no problem. But try to be in these far right, left, crazy, no, you're not going to survive very long. Right? In Bethlehem City, you had some Christians because there was some. there's a church there, right? Can you imagine? Uh, oh, I, this guy, Jesus was born there. I know it's small numbers, but just think about it for a second. But try to be a Jewish person in Gaza. There are lots of Muslims, lots of Muslims in in Israel. How many Jewish people in Lebanon? How many Jewish people in Iran, in Syria, in Jordan? Not very many, if, if, if zero, like zero sometimes. So my point is, guys, is this. You have to understand that you may not like what you see in the media, but why don't you go and figure it out for yourself? Right? If you're going to be so passionate about a decision, how about you go figure it out? Because if you don't, I, I was reminded of something. Do you remember when you were in high school? Usually it's high school where you're learning a, a little bit more in depth about slavery, where they would chain people and they would beat them and three-fifths, right? The South wanted to count slaves for their sake of representation in the government because they had vast swaths of land, less population than the northern cities, and they wouldn't get rep- representation in Congress. So they said, well, we're going to count our slaves. Well, you can't because they're not voting people back and forth. So ultimately, three-fifths. How disgusting and dehumanizing is three-fifths? You're, you're a person. But that's what they did at the time. So you're learning about this in college and in high school. And I remember having a, a friend, a black friend sitting next to me. And afterwards, you know, the bell rings or whatever, and we go out. And he's like, you know, I would have, I would have punched him. I would have kicked him. And I mean, bad words I'm, I'm leaving out for the story here. But basically, he would have fought back. And I, if I was in the North, I would have supported the Underground Railroad and Harriet Tubman. And I would get those men and women out, some up to Canada. Remember that Underground Railroad went as far north as up into Canada even. And so I remember that. And then the same thing with... Jewish Americans, right? The Holocaust. We're learning about the Holocaust. Anne Frank, hiding people. Some of the things that were happening in Denmark and Finland during World War II. Some of the people that were being hidden in Poland, in in France. 
right? And and others were saying, "Oh, I I would have punched him. I would have I wouldn't have gone to that that gas chamber." Well, first of all, they didn't know it was a gas chamber. They thought it was a prison. Secondarily, right? It's it's really not until it's too late. You're going to go in and take a bath, take a shower. We're going to delice you. Delouse, right? We're going to put you in this. Oh, okay, got it. You don't realize it's a gas chamber. You see, the, originally the Nazis would shoot them. And what they were finding is the mental impact in the German soldiers is they would go crazy. Some of them would defect. Because the everyday person walking down the street who, who tomorrow is now a soldier is being forced to shoot people for no reason. Men and women and babies. Grandparents. So they would defect. So, so it was pushing pressure on these soldiers, number one. Number two is it was costing ammunition that they needed for the, for the war. So they created this mass genocidal way that's, quote, more efficient, quicker, easier. You got it? But do you understand what's happening now with Hamas? They're bragging about it. The men are going on live stream, Facebook live stream, Instagram live stream, those types of services. You, you realize that? Hi, mom. Hi, dad. Look at me. You should be proud of me. It was an innocent person. I chopped their head off. Oh, it's not the same as a German in the initial stages of the war. But so many of us would have said, oh, I had to punch him. I had to fought him. I would have stabbed. Okay, I got it. If you think you would have hid, escaped black slaves in the 1800s, or think you think you would have hid Jewish people running for their lives in 1930s, 40s Germany and its territories, do you not think you're going to have another chance to prove that? If you don't do something about this now, if you don't support financially, uh, physically, with your mouth, with your involvement, with your postings, you have to get out. And talk about how evil Hamas is and how the Palestinian people are the prisoners. The occupiers are Hamas, not Israel. So you thought you would have hidden Anne Frank? Well, you just might have a chance to prove it. Look what they're doing today to Jewish people on college campuses. And it takes these left-wing administrators, massive amounts of public pressure. What do they listen to? Money. Money. You're, you're insane if you send your child to any of those Ivy League type schools. And I don't mean just the the fourth league, right? Ivy is one, one five. That's the Roman numeral. It's not anything to do with the Ivy growing on the side of the buildings. Right? Harvard and, and Brown and Columbia, they're part of the fourth district, not the second, not the third, not the fifth. So IV, got it? Don't send them to any of those because your money is going especially if you're a Jewish American or an American of Jewish descent. You're insane for sending your money and your child. Teach them to own a business, become entrepreneurs, let them employ those people so they can have the power and the control and not be subject to whatever the employer says in the story. Just a thought. All right, I want to cover something. It's called the social security flipping gears a little bit. I know. But the Social Security, it's called the Windfall Earnings uh, Program or the GPO, Government Pension Offset. Have you heard of those things? Yeah. The Windfall Elimination Provision. Sorry, it took me a second. 
windfall elimination provision or the government pension offset. They reduce benefits for workers who had positions like government jobs where you didn't put into Social Security. Now, why does this matter a lot? Because many people who have government jobs, teachers, you work during the summer because you're, you're off for two and a half, three months a year, whatever it might be, maybe more. But you're off for the summer. Many of you work. And you t- they, they mandate, they require you to take money from your paycheck, from, social, uh, from your paycheck into Social Security. Your employer has to put in money and you have to put in money into a program in which you're never going to see. Basically, it's like theft. Try not to pay it and see what happens. You will go to jail. Men with dark suits will come knocking on your door and will put you in jail fine you, you don't pay, you go to jail. Simple. So you have to pay Social Security. It's a government program, but you don't get it because you have a government job. Sounds kind of wonky, doesn't it? So here's what's happening. There's There's been a push quite a bit over the last 10 years, at least 10 years that I know of, where if you work for the post office, finally, you have that provision in some cases, depending on what you do to put money into both Social Security and your pension. It's why your Social Security pension is much lower today than it was uh, in the past because they take money away from it, right? So if you work for the FAA, city, county, police departments, government agencies, school districts, where you're not putting into Social Security, but you have prior to that job, a lot of this government pension offset takes some of your Social Security wages back. Now that doesn't seem to make sense, does it? So there's a lot, there's a bill now in Congress. It's a bill that says we are going to, well, reinstate. If you put in to social security, we're going to give you that money back. It's happening. We'll see if it works. We'll see if the president signs it. 300 co-sponsors just in the house of representatives, which just so we're clear, which means bipartisan, both sides because there's only about 220 Republicans. That means there are a lot of people in support of it. Okay, that's good news, because I I think it's wrong. I think it's wrong to tax you during your summer or or part-time job or your pre-job before working for the government. Or let's say you worked part-time and then you worked full-time. Why would they take your money? You're the one that put into it. Or I'll tell you what you do. Don't require me to put in. I'm all right with that. If you say, listen, Eric, if you have a government job with a pension... So now when you work, I'm going to give you the money and you can invest it in your own individual retirement account, or you can invest it in your own 401k. You don't get social security benefits. Well, you didn't get them anyway. So we're going to give you that money so you can do something else with it. Well, this is a big deal. The support recently prompted house lawmakers to send a leadership, uh, send a letter rather to leadership of the house and ways and means committee to ensure a hearing, which means it's kind of like the first step. House Ways and Means Committee chairman is a Republican. They want to now have this, quote, Fairness, Social Security Fairness Act. That's the name of it currently. It's the working name, working title. The Senate, well, it's 49 leaders. Oh, gosh, how many do they need to avoid a filibuster? Six, zero, 60. Now, here are the problems. Many of you know this. 
right? You have a pension, your spouse has social security, your spouse passes away, you don't get his or her social security. You know this because you've worked and you're supposed to have a $900 a month social security check. Okay, maybe it doesn't change your life, 900 bucks. It's, it's good, I'll take it. But when they reduce it to three or 400, you go, well, that's kind of chintzy. What happened to my money? I put in for it. The paperwork here says I qualified. Where's my social security check? So the working title on the Senate side is the Social Security Fairness Act. It's in, introduced in both in the Senate and the House. Think about it this way. It would make it fairer, but there is a cost. Right now, Social Security is scheduled to be broke, even though they've been taking all of these government workers' money and not having to pay a, be uh, a benefit. Right, That payment, that benefit does not exist, but they took the money from those people. So that means there's a, there's a bit of a surplus. Right, Taking money from people that are never going to get a, a benefit? Well, here's the problem. Now you're going to give them the benefit. Yeah, but Eric, they should have it. They deserve it. They blah, 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 blah. Got it. Let's feel about it. Let's think about it. Let's do the math. And you're right, except when the math comes in. Because it says, currently we're going to run out of Social Security benefits, even though we've been, and yes, I'm going to use the word, stealing the money from those government workers that have not put in that, that have uh, put in to Social Security from their second or third job. Look, I don't mean they should receive a benefit for the same wages that you had a pension. No, no. Your wages from your pension are, are a, a function of your pension. Got it. But you worked part-time or, or you had a business or you worked for your, prior to going to school or, or when you were in college. Why is it that they think they should keep your money? So I'm with you on that. But you realize... There's a shortfall even with stealing that money. 2033, that's the date. 2033, gone, money, over. They do not have enough money to pay 100% of Social Security. So what will happen in 2033, 10 years from now? Very simple. They're going to tell, I think it's going to be 2032, probably somewhere in there. And it's going to be something like this because they just gave another pay raise to Social Security. And it's going to be something like this. Mary Jo... Stockton, California, you got your last paycheck of $2,000. Next month, it's going to be $1,400. And you're thinking, well, but, but why? I, I, why? You're going to take 30% plus, 35%. Where's my money? Well, sorry, we don't have enough to give everybody 100%. So everybody's going to get 60 or 70%. That's the current number. Okay, very important. Are you okay with that happening in 2025, 2029, 2030? Because if we start giving out money without collecting it on the back end, right? The reason Social Security works, it's kind of like an illegal Ponzi scheme, a legal Ponzi scheme, which is an oxymoron. But it means, simple, it means they're taking money from the workers, the 20, 30, 40-year-olds today, you're, you're putting money into the system, and where's it going? It's going for the 58, 62, oh, bingo, start Social Security, 65, 75, 85-year-old. They're collecting Social Security now way more than they ever put in, way more. So did it earn amazing interest rates while it was there? No. Did it keep up with inflation and interest? Not even close. So how are they getting a 5 or a 6 or an 8% pay raise 
when the money that was left behind was only earning 2 2%. So the interest inside was 2%, maybe 3. How, how are you paying out 8% when the Social Security dollars that were left behind only earned 3? Very simple. Because we're using the principal, which is the money that was put in by the 20, 30, 40, 50 year olds to pay the 65, 75, 85 year olds. Okay, the problem is they're taking money from those 25, 35 year olds, right? They, they, they took your money, your government worker, your firefighter, your, your police officer, your, and, and you worked part time. Or remember when you worked before, before you got that good job at 25 with the city? Yeah, yeah. Now, just so you know, you're never going to see those social security dollars for those six or seven or eight years that you put in. Never. Gone. Well, under this new law, you're now eligible for it. Here's the problem. There isn't money for it. They already spent it. And then some. So how do you fix this? Very simple. I think it's fair to pay people for what they put the money in. For. I, I don't think that's right. I don't like the F word. Forget fair. I think it's the right thing to do. I don't, it's, it's the right thing to do. If you put money into Social Security and you earned the benefits, right? 10 years, 40 quarters, those kind of things. If you, if you did that, well, I think you deserve it. It's yours. I don't think they should take that money from you. It's not cool. It's not right. It's wrong. Stealing. I mean, I don't know. What else, what else should you say? But here's the only way to fix it. The only way to fix it is this. You're going to have to stop giving pay raises for at least five years, probably 10 in Social Security. That's number one. Sorry, you're not going to get a pay raise for a very long... I know, it stinks. It's your only wages. But you were told when you had Social Security, or you should have known, on the countless literature that you signed for, that Social Security is not designed, never will be, ever designed to replace 100% of your wages. At the most, it's supposed to replace about one-third. So if you made $1,200 a month, Social Security was going to be 400 of it. It was never designed to be $1,200 a month. It was designed to be about a third. So where were you supposed to get the rest of your money? Well, you were supposed to save yourself in your own retirement accounts, CDs at banks, whatever. You're supposed to save somewhere. You were supposed to build up maybe a government pension or a company pension. Maybe have your own off-retirement monies right? Like IRAs and, and 401ks. That's what people are supposed to do. Now, my heart breaks for those that didn't do that. And social security represents 60, 80, hundred percent of your wages in retirement. My heart breaks because you can't go back and fix it. So that's a real big shame. It, it stinks actually. So what do I, what am I saying? Here's what you have to do to fix it. You have to go, do not give any more pay raises to Social Security, number one, not for five years. Second, you have to inflate the currency. You have to keep inflation going, which means the buying power of the current people putting into Social Security and getting it on the back end, it's going to be less. $2,000 in five years is not going to buy what $2,000 today does. It just doesn't. Next, you have to raise the wages. For those of you that are making more than 160, 70,000 a year, you're going to have to pay more social security tax. I'm sorry, I wish it wasn't. But we're going to have to get out of this mess. 
So what do we do? Very simply, we tax wages up to three hundred or 400000 a year. So you'll bring in a lot of money. So you'll bring in more wages. So the, the front end of the pipeline is going to have more cash coming in. Next, you cannot be 62 and get, get Social Security anymore. Sorry. If you're 60 years old, we'll still allow it, right, for the next two years because you might have been planning. But other than that, if you're 58, 59, you have to wait till 65 to start collecting Social Security. That's Arif's solution. It's going to have riots. People are going to be mad. Look at France, right? They tried to raise social. They tried to raise retirement age from 60 to 62, and they burnt Paris. Yeah, taking our money. How many of you are still working at 62 or 60, right? But apparently, in France, you're not supposed to. That's the best part of your years, the most wisdom you've ever had in your life, experience. But in France, they riot and tear down the city at six because they want to go two years longer. I think in America, you're going to have to go two years or four years or three years longer. You have to. So there's more time for those dollars to percolate and to come into the system before people are taking out. And then what's the goody on the backside? The goody on the backside is it no longer stops accumulating at age 70. It now continues until age 75. So you can continue to collect money on the back end. So it keeps going at 8%, 8%, 8%. So you can end up with a lot more, 40%, half more money. So that allows Social Security, instead of capping out at $4,000, maybe you could get nearly $6,000 a month. But look, your life expectancy is less on the back end. I'd rather have you collect $6,000 a month from age 75 until you pass away than 3000 a month from age 62 until you pass away. That extra 12, 15 years, that's a long time. That 13 years, that's a lot of money that's not going to be invested. It's not going to be earning interest. It's not going to be sitting behind and helping others. But if you live long enough, we can give money to firefighters and teachers to add to their social security. We can give money to people that are higher wage earners. You're going to get an extra 40 or 50%. It doesn't change your life. Maybe if you're at the four or $500,000 year, but if we're going to say we're in this together, that's one way to do it. And what will happen is everybody will hate that particular politician. If they do my plan, but you give me another plan. I'm open for it. You can send me an email at Arif at tfswealth.com or triple eight ninety nine retire that's eight 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 nine nine seven three eight four seven stay with me after the break your emails right bit right here back on am eight seventy the answer I'm Arif Hallaby we'll be right back Arif makes your money work for you learn about financial power the total financial hour learn about financial power the total financial hour Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Halaby. Learn about financial power. Hey, welcome back to the show. Second hour of the Total Financial Show. Arab Halaby. This is your place for news, talk, and information. Triple eight. 99 retire that's 888-997-3847 all right we're talking about your family's finances 3847 that's the last four i think i stuttered a little bit 
tell me about this. Have you thought about when are you going to retire? You, you and your spouse probably didn't start your jobs at the same time. Certainly not your current job, right? You start careers, you change careers, things happen. And it could change the way you retire. You try to do this at the same time, like a rhythm, right? Each of us will finish our careers at the same time. Doesn't always happen. So and certainly some of our ages are different, right? If you're a little older, a little younger, it might be one of you will qualifies for, for a retirement or a pension or social security a little earlier. So that's this particular email I want to read you. And I want you to be clear on a couple of things. One of those is that most of you are going to need a purpose in retirement. You're not going to just sit around and wait to die. The biggest complaint I hear, and I'm going to share this with you because I can do it not in front of you so it doesn't hurt any feelings and you don't smack the shoulder of your spouse and say, see, I told you. I want to tell you like this so that you can do that smacking in private. All right, first of all, when the guys retire... Their impression of a, of a good retirement is freedom. They don't think of their job or their career just like a prison, but it kind of acts like that upon the release, or in this case, the retirement. That's why men will buy RVs and motorcycles and boats and two-seater cars with, that are convertible. That's why they do that, to go, to leave, to, to get away. Whereas women, when they retire, this is generalizations, of course, but women, when they retire, retreat in, right? They want to fix up the house. I want to redo the kitchen. I got to reorganize the closets. It's not always that, but, but work with me for just a minute. Because this is important. When one is coming and one is going, you might ask yourself, how are we going to find common denominator here at this time in our life when it's retirement. So here's where I found most of the time, before I get to this email, most of the time that people make mistakes. And it's this. He wants to come home and he just watches TV. He's been retired for three months and all he does is sit and watch TV. Gained weight. I've had friends, very active friends. They retire and you look at one of their pictures on Facebook and you think, you got to be kidding. This guy's gained 40 pounds. It's been six months. It's been a year. What the heck? I don't know what it is. It's something to do with law enforcement, guys. I don't know. We have to stay active. Our belts, right? Those Sam Brown belts with our, that hold our gun and our ammunition and hand, handcuffs. Uh, those are finite. So it tells you when you're gaining weight and, and you know to back off. But once you retire, you're not wearing that. Maybe that's the answer because many of these guys I'm talking about are, are in law enforcement. So they don't continue with a healthy lifestyle. And many of them go sedentary. That's a problem, right? Because what's a man's normal instinct when it comes to retirement is to go, right? Go out and play golf four days a week. Go, 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 get away. Women's, women is just the opposite. It's been just my experience over the last 30, almost 30 years of working in the financial world. The other part of it that's fascinating to me, a lot of the ladies still want to be productive because they never felt like they stopped being productive. In other words, productivity is a part of your life. It just is producing, being valuable, having a purpose. It just keeps going. It changes. 
right? If you're raising children, that's a purpose. If you're taking care of your adult parents, that's a purpose. If you're, whatever you're doing, grandchildren, purpose, purpose, purpose. If a man identifies himself only from a purpose-related place, only to his job, and then that ends, maybe very healthy financially it ends, but it ends, the internal thing of a man says, what's my purpose? What's my value to my family? Because the value I provided for my family was that paycheck every other Friday. I walked in the door. There was food on the table. I looked at the roof and the house and the cars. And I said, see, I did that. I provided. But now somebody says, you stay home and we're going to keep paying you. Don't go to work and we'll pay you. Sleep in and we'll pay you. Called a pension or social security or your, or your 401k money. The active part of it changes. So what do we do to combat that? And look, sometimes it's the opposite. The man is the inside and the woman is the outside person kind of thing. It's maybe 5 or 10% of my experience. Not enough to really even comment on, but it happens. So here's my solution to that. It's built around a purpose prior to the time you retire. Five years before retirement is a very valuable, uh, very important time frame. Because I want you to start building habits, both financially, the way you spend money, save money. I want you to build your purpose, what you do at your job, away from your job. Are you going to return as a consultant? A lot of defense contractors have you return as a consultant or a mentor. You'll still collect your pension at the company, but now you'll have a paycheck and you're just not, you're just not participating in the pension system. So there's a lot of these organizations that need you, that will keep you. Because as I mentioned on the last segment, right? That's the time when you're the most valuable, right? In France, they couldn't figure it out. They were yelling and screaming. I don't want to work. You're 60 years old. You're 62. Do you really think nobody has any value for you? I really think it's about, they don't trust the government. They think they're going to steal their money, which is probably not far from the truth. It's a socialist economy there now didn't used to be, but it is now. So it's a, it's a valid concern. So what do we think about this when you're trying to build or rebuild this part of your life where purpose changes? I think those five years prior, I want you to start volunteering. Those five years prior, I want you to figure out what you always like to do. When I was a young boy, I used to do this. When I was a young man and before my family, before I had kids, Go back and visit those things. See if there still is a pension, uh, uh, sorry, a, a purpose. See if there still is a desire because here's where it changes. It may not be your desire or your ability anymore because of the physical, uh, uh, natural abilities, right? To golf a certain amount of days per week. Maybe you can't do it based on your age and your, your physical condition now, but it could lead to the next thing or the next thing. Maybe you liked to tinker with golf clubs. Maybe you build golf clubs for friends. Maybe you learn how to create some sort of a golf club, a group of people. There's always a reason, right? When men, every Tuesday morning, me and the guys from the old plant get together and have coffee and donuts. Every Wednesday afternoon, me and the, the ladies get together and we have our brunch. Okay, do you understand that those are very valuable and important things. They need to happen without the spouse. Because you just spent 
decades not being in each other's face all the time. So it's nice to have secondary source of stimulation. And here's the other reason why. Because chances are good that one of you is going to pass before the other. And if the only place you find purpose is in the other person, and you don't find meaning at church, or women's groups, or organizations, you don't find meaning in the ability to volunteer or teach Sunday school, then your perspective on life is going to shrink very quickly into it's about me, it's about me, it's about me. All right? So these are important things. You have to understand this as a natural part of life, just like when the kids grew up and left the house, right? When when you took your first child, like ours, we took our first son to kindergarten, dropped him off, bye. His backpack was bigger than him. Walks in his little kindergarten class. Actually, it was fun for fours. It was a four-year-old preschool class. Preschool class, we drop him off at the <laughs> all the other four-year-old you know, parents. You could tell the new parents where this was the oldest child, and you could tell where it was their third or fourth child. The third or fourth child dropped him off, waved, gave him a kiss, and before you know it, pew, they were gone. They were out to breakfast somewhere. The first child, like ours on our first day, they lower the blinds and I'm we're ducking our head. Bye, 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 ducking our head. Bye. And what, tears are streaming down me and my wife's face. Our little boy. And what does he do? He wait, looks over to us, waves. That's it. Didn't look back, grabs his pencil, pays attention to the teacher. It was over. And we're like crying. I can't believe it. And then you're, you're, you're surprised that you're crying about your, wait, by the time we took our third one, I, I don't even know if we slowed down and pushed him out of the car. <laughs> we said, all right, here, get out. All right, good. All right, go over there. That's the door. No, no, we were a little more kind than that. We said, all right, have a nice day. Love you. And then we went out to breakfast and then we laughed at all the other parents whose oldest child is right there. We said, oh, that used to be us. Well, that's a transition, isn't it? Life changes. Those little moments are different. Same thing with retirement. All right, this is important. Because this is Randy and his perspective on what he thinks is happening next. All right. Dear Arif, I'm 64 years old and my wife is 59. She works for the school district and will have a pension of $8,500 a month when she turns 62. That's in three years, guys. I have been waiting for her to retire for the last couple of years since I retired at age 61. However... I have now started to enjoy my new job and I am worried that my wife will be ready to retire when I may be getting my second wind at my new career. I do not have a pension at this job and I've started it about five months ago after I started social security. It has now been six months and I plan on staying here for at least five more years. I don't need my social security income now and I would like to pause it and have it increase later on when I retire from the second career. My wife's current 401k plan has $700,000. We would like to have it start some of our, our monthly needs of an income of around $2,500 a month. Is that possible? If so, what can I do with it and with the rest of the money when she retires? Randy. Okay. So here he has two concerns. He, he mentions the difference in, in age and retirement with he and his wife, 
which is important because I think you guys need to understand this. Most people are not the same age when they retire. So one is still going to work. So here's my solutions, a solution form. When you put into social security and then you say, okay, start giving me a check. You have one year to do a do over. If you started collecting social security and you want to put it back, take it back. Sorry. I changed my mind. I'm 63. I got a job. I don't need it. I want it to keep growing. You can put it back into the system. In other words, you have to write a check. For him, it's been 11 months. So Randy, time is of the essence. You can go to the Social Security Administration. They're going to say, we gave you, oh, let's just say $30,000. So you need to give us back $30,000. And we will act as if you never started Social Security to begin with. And then in doing so, you will now receive an 8% per year increase that's automatically built in on top of those cost of living increases. So you get kind of one year to change your mind, collect social security, a way to have another career, or I paid off that bill. I don't really need social security. Why create a taxable event? Or I want to go back to work part-time. You see, if Randy pays back this social security, he gets one more chance to turn it on and act as if he never used it to begin with. So maybe that's two months, two years, four years, whatever it is. Five years, right? In the case of him wanting to work another five years. So that's a big deal. You get to pay back Social Security. Here's the other part of this that makes a difference for Randy. Randy's wife has $700,000 in her 401k plan. She works for the school district. So it's actually probably called a 403b, right? 403b. It acts the same as a 401k, but it is for a nonprofit school district hospital, or research facility. If you work for one of those, it's called a 403B or a TSA, Tax Sheltered Annuity, TSA, or 403B. Same thing as a 401k for all intents and purposes. Pre-tax money goes in, you take it out, you pay tax on it. So probably that's what he's talking about because she works for a school district and she has a pension. If you work for a school and it's a private school, not part of a government entity, then one, you probably don't have a pension. And two, yours would be called a 401k. All right, to be clear, 401k is for-profit, 403b, non-profit or school district. So he would like to have it pay $2,500 a month when she retires. We can do that. No problem. I can pick up that account, move it over. Some of it, part of it, I would, what I would do is move over right around $500,000. Leave two hundred where it is. The five hundred thousand I could pick up and move. She could continue to add for the next year or two or three. As she's working, putting money in, but the five hundred thousand I could have protected and secured away from the risk of the market, moved off to the side, growing with reasonable rates of return. Maybe get a deposit bonus, a matching of some sort, right? Five, ten, fifteen percent more, maybe. The matching works with this uh, this way with the companies. You put in money, they put in money. They'll say, we'll give you all of this money. But remember when you worked for your employer and there was a five-year vesting, some of you, right? You worked at your 401k. They said, oh, we're going to give you a matching. But if you quit early before five years or we fire you before five years, you don't get the money. We're going to take back some or all of the 401k 
matching that the employer put in. All right. With companies, insurance companies that use annuities, right? When we do this, simple. All we do, you put money in, they're going to match it. There will be strings attached or catches, right? There'll be a catch or two with that money that is that is added or, or that is matching. So before you go through this and sign up and decide you want to do it, you ask, what are the catches? Does it matter to me? Do I care? No, I don't care. I plan on being at this career for more than five years, so the catches don't matter on a 401k. On insurance companies, we'll give you bigger bonuses than 15, 20%, but you have to take it out in an income stream. You're like, that's fine. I'm, that's what I planned on doing. I need $2,500 a month, says Randy. No problem. Then there are some good ones out there where you put in money, they put in money, and they give you a lifelong pension. Then when you pass away, whatever's left in the account goes to your beneficiaries. Sometimes it goes to your beneficiaries over five years. Sometimes it's immediate, depending on which one you choose. There's a bunch of different ones out there. But the idea is, how do we protect it? How do we know for sure, no matter what happens with the market, no matter what happens with this government pension offset, maybe Congress and the president will agree, maybe they won't. Maybe she, I don't know if she even applied or has worked rather in social security jobs, maybe. But if you work in a social security job and you put money in, I want to encourage you to put at least the same amount into your 401k plan at that job, even if it's a part-time job. Oh, Eric, if I can't afford to, you have to, you don't understand. That's part of the, that's part of living. You have to set aside a certain amount of money because if you're going to be just a, a dependent of the government, when you turn 59, 62, 65, 70, whatever age, and you say, okay, now I'm a dependent of the government, you're going to get crumbs with a lot of strings attached. Try to be 63 years old, right? Retire, 63 years old, start social security. Go try to work a second career. See what happens to your social security check. They confiscate some of it. You can't work. Those are the strings attached to your social security check. So when some of you don't like the strings attached to the 401k uh, rollover money, right? The, the fixed annuity or fixed indexed annuity has strings attached. You're already playing that game. Everything has strings attached. Oh, Eric, not my broker at Merrill Schwab Stanley guy. No, he, he, he's a, well, first of all, he's a vice president. I tease those guys all the time. Sorry. Everybody's a vice president at those places. But that aside for the moment, that guy doesn't have any strings attached. Yes, they do. They charge you a fee about one and a half percent, one and a quarter to one and a half. Even if you think you don't pay it, you do on all of your money, all of the time, whether you need it, whether you don't, you're paying a fee. That's the string, but I don't need all of that. I only need 5,000 a month. doesn't matter. You're paying a fee on all of it. Oh, but it went down and you lost money. Can you deduct it on your taxes? Nope. Huh? But wait a second. It's my retirement account. I put it at risk in the market and it lost money. Yep. Can't write it off on your taxes. Oh, but Eric, at least I can deduct those fees, those one and a half percent fees. No, but wait, wait, no, you can't. Sorry, you can't. 
You see, a lot of you forget that rich people make the rules. You realize that. I know this is a shock for some of you, especially if you're college educated, you're not surprised. But rich people make the rules. They always have. The difference is this. They make the rules to benefit themselves, their friends, and their family. So they use different products and services that are benefited by those rules, meaning they don't put their retirement account at risk in the market. They put non-retirement accounts at risk in the market. That's fine because at least you can deduct your fees in your non-retirement stock market accounts. You can deduct the losses in your non-stock retirement accounts, stock market type accounts. Right? You're going to check with your CPA, but that's the general rule. You cannot deduct losses in your retirement account inside of a stock market, 401k. It just can't. Maybe I can help. I can look at yours. Maybe it's something I can do. 888-997-3847. 888-99-RETIRE. 888-888-99-RETIRE. Okay, here's another thing that I want you to look at. The $500,000, Randy, that you had mentioned, or, or sorry, the seven hundred. what do I do with the difference, the rest of it? I would keep that in a place that is, I, I don't like risk. If she's going to keep on adding to her retirement account, let her do that. That can be at risk because if you're adding into a current retirement account the, and the only option is the stock market, because sometimes that's the way it is, then I want you to take advantage of dollar cost averaging. You're buying, you're buying, you're buying, you're buying. You're constantly buying as the market goes up or down, up or down. And you're getting a benefit from the dollar cost averaging. The the volatility in the market's working to your favor because when the market is down, you're buying more shares. And as you're buying more shares, it's a math problem, that's all. You're accumulating more shares. Now you're in a position when the market goes back up, it doesn't have to return to the highest for you to make money. Right? People saw that with Bitcoin and with crypto and with gold, and you're just buying the same amount, same amount. It's not anything new to stock market world. And as you're doing that, as you're systematically in buying it, you're creating more shares. Okay. Here's where that fun part comes in. The extra $200,000 and all of the contributions going forward over the next couple, three years. All of those dollars are available to spend on something fun. Each year you'll meet with your CPA, your tax preparer. I like a a CPA better because you're going to ask them, can you do the math? Here's my income. Here's my dollars. Can you do the math and decide how much I can withdraw from that $200,000 plus each year to give to my children or grandchildren, to take a vacation, to buy something nice? I want to stay below the next tax bracket. You see, where most people get caught is they think retirement accounts are savings accounts. Oh, Eric, if I retired, I took a lump sum from my pension for $700,000. I have five hundred in my 401k. Oh, I'm, I've got a million dollars. No, you don't. No, you don't. You have half of that. What do you mean? The government has the other half. Try to say, hi, I, I have a million dollars in that account. Send me a check for a million dollars. They say, we're not going to. You have to pay 30% federal, 10% state. You're going to have to pay taxes, maybe penalties, maybe... Yeah, sorry. You don't have a million dollars. You have about half. Because you think it's a savings account. It is. But it's a savings account for the government in taxes. 
It's not a savings account for you. Retirement accounts are designed to be income-generating accounts. Use it for the right way, you win. Don't use it for the right way, you lose. It's the Every year they should have a mandatory class. If you have a retirement account and you're 35 years old, here are the rules. Next, here are the rules. Oh, the rules have changed a little bit. Here are the rules. That's what needs to happen. Right? Most people, I don't think, realize that the retirement account is not a savings account. It is designed to generate income for the rest of your life and the rest of your spouse's wife so that you know. Right? Those are big deals. You have to have that in place. Because if you think that you're just going to sit around and you think that, that you're going to use it as a put and take account, give me money, give me some, give me nothing, give me lots, then what will happen is your taxes will be all over the map. Part of the difference in retirement land, ready for this? It's just not having to spend the money. You could live on less by not paying money, not paying taxes on that money, as long as you have that meeting with your CPA each and every year. You meet with them. You sit down. How much can I take out? Maybe I can't. Maybe I can. All right, we work with them. Triple eight ninety nine retire. I'll work with your CPA. I'll sit down with them. I'm on the phone with them. That's part of our job. And you don't pay me because you're a client. As a client, that's part of what we do for you. Triple eight ninety nine retire. Stay with me after the break. Another email from you on AM870, The Answer. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher income strategy. Hey, welcome back to the show. Arif Halby. Total Financial Hour. That's what you're listening to. AM870, The Answer. 888-99-RETIRE. That's our phone number. 888-99-RETIRE. Okay. I want to go over an email with you. I'm going to spend a few more minutes on this one uh, because I think it's important. It's a lot of people. And for you, it's a lot of your children. Many of you have kids that have gone through life and look, we all, we all wanted our kids to have a little bit better life financially speaking, or have things that we didn't have. Remember that I wanted my kids to have things that I didn't have. Well, there's a finite number to that. You know, in other words, eventually you're going to get to the place where your kids have everything that you had and then more, and there really isn't a lot more to have, but they still are accumulating stuff. And then eventually you say, well, well, look, my, my kids have more than I've had and they certainly don't have the values that I've had or that I grew up with or that were instilled upon me. Right? So, so you're, we, we turned our eyes towards stuff because you thought that the values that you were imparting were this concrete, never ending steel reinforced ideas. Not necessarily. Not when you're with the kids two hours a day, Monday through Friday, and the school is imparting different values seven or eight or nine hours a day, Monday through Friday. Right? You thought it was about the stuff because the values were assumed. 
it's not that way anymore, is it? How many of you are still having two incomes in your family when your kids have nobody to come home to? Look, we called that a latchkey kid. I don't even know. Is that one of those derogatory terms? Right? I, I don't know if it is. Like, we're not allowed to say retarded or midget or... I, I don't know. Some of those words you can't say. They have different words, good or bad, or whatever. But is latchkey kid one of those? I, because that meant the kid came home and nobody else was there. No, no physical person was there. Oh, but Eric, if I have a ring doorbell, I have Amazon Alexa, Google. Hi. Yes, I'm home, mom. Great. Bing. Oh, you're working, typing. Oh, there's, there's my junior just walked in the door. I saw on the phone because the doorbell alerted. Is that parenting? Maybe, maybe your version, maybe you have to. Why do you think so many people are leaving the state of California? Because it's so financially easy to live here? Because it's incredible with all the regulations? Right? I covered in the first hour that the insurance companies are leaving. You realize they have increased costs and they are not allowed to raise the rates. They have increased regulation, state, local, federal. Everybody is regulating the rebuilding of your house. Everybody is regulating the rules on energy efficiency. And the insurance companies have to provide replacement value for those things. They have to take it into account. And they're not allowed to pass those costs on to you. So their profits kept getting shorter, smaller, smaller. Other cities say, listen, as long as one entity is regulating you, we don't need the other three or four. Right? The city of Los Angeles, the county of Los Angeles, the state of California, the AQMD, the uh, district in Santa Monica Conservancy, everybody's got their two cents into how you can or can't build or rebuild your house. And so the insurance company says, man, this is an unknown world. If we have to insure everybody, we need to kind of guess and what it's going to cost so that we can collect the same amount of money that that it costs us. And before you guys run around and get all upset at insurance companies, and look, there's a lot of righteous places to be upset at insurance companies. I could be with you in that. You need to ask yourself something very simple. You pay $600 every two, you know, twice a year, whatever the number is. $1,200 a year for your car. Four years later, you get in a car accident. What did you pay? $4,800. Okay. And they replaced your $50,000 car for 4,800 bucks. So cars are not cheaper these days. They're more expensive. And you're paying about six, $1,200, whatever it is, do the math. Is that not a good deal? I don't mean that you, God forbid you got hurt. I pray you didn't. But your car is crashed and burned. It's over. New car, $50,000. So somebody has to pay the difference. If you're paying $1,200 a year for four, five, six, seven years, and you get a $50,000 new car, do you realize somewhere somebody's got to make up the math? That's my point. All right. I want to continue with, uh, this is an email from Douglas. And I mentioned to you that, that this is something that is going to be uh, applicable to both you in some cases. Certainly, if you're not prepared for this, your children in their 20s and 30s, very big deal. All right. Dear Arif, my wife and I just got married and we're concerned about 
merging our financial life. We are both in our early 30s, and we would like to have a family in the next couple of years. Both of us have very successful and financially stable jobs, but she still has student loans of about $19,000. I did not attend college, and I went to a trade school here in Southern California to become an AC, air conditioning, or HVAC, I'll tell you what that means, heating, ventilating, and air conditioning repairman. Okay, so basically an air conditioning repairman. I make a lot more money than she does currently, and we plan on having a traditional family when she is going to, where she is going to stay home and raise the kids, at least until they're both in school. They're expecting two kids. When they're in school full-time, she may work part-time. My question is, she has an old retirement plan of about $39,000. Should we take that and pay off her student loans? Or should we invest that and put that towards our future? Our current home was bought in 2019. It's small, three bedroom and two bath, and 1,100 square feet. So I would like to buy a larger home shortly after we find out my wife would be pregnant. Douglas. Okay. Here's a couple of things. And guys, please grab your pen and paper. I'm going to wait. This is very important. Even if you open up your phone and start typing in your notes section, you can erase it in a minute if you don't think it's valuable. But I'm going to tell you in 30 years and tens of thousands of people I've worked in this business, 27 years, I guess, and tens of thousands of people I've worked with, I'm going to give you something that has benefited everyone. All right. Grab your pen and paper. Here it is. First of all, I want you guys to understand, keep your debt low. I'm okay if you currently have a house, but if you're renting, I don't want you guys to buy a house to live in. I want you to buy two rental properties first. Buy them in the same area, maybe in, in outskirts of Phoenix or, or Utah or Colorado or Texas, Florida, Georgia. I, I don't know. You'll have to decide on where you want to live, maybe in the future, where you want to visit where family exists, because then your travel back and forth to check on your properties, you may be able to duck, deduct things like your airfare, your lodging to go check on your real estate. Okay, you're gonna work with the CPA on this. All right, next. Here's the, here's the point I want everybody to, to, to take away and write down these points. There are three questions I want each of you, Douglas, both you and your wife, to answer. Three questions. Number one, what would you guys do with a million dollars? Now, for some of you, you already have a million, so make it 10 million. For some of you, you have 10 million, so make it 50 million. I need it to be something that is achievable in a lifetime, but far, far away still. Right? So if you have less than a half a million, make it 10 million. I need it to be something, sorry, less than a half a million, make it 1 million. More than a half a million, make it 10 million. You get the idea? It has to be a, a goal that's far enough. All right. Question number one, what would you do with a million dollars? Question number two, describe your perfect day. Describe your perfect day. Oh, Eric, is it a weekend? Is It doesn't matter. Perfect day. You wake up. The first line should be, I wake up at, and then now you fill in the time and you go forward. Describe your perfect day. All right. Third question. Probably the most important. 
How would you like to be remembered? How would you like to be remembered? That's our destination. Okay, how would you like to be remembered? What would you do with a million dollars? Remember to adjust it accordingly. Describe your perfect day. It's going to start with, I wake up at. And then how would you like to be remembered? Okay, very important. Why is this important? Your time and your money. Those are my first two questions. Your money and your time in that order. The third one is our destination. Because eventually you're on this earth for 50, 70, 100 years maybe. It's going to live a lot longer than you probably. So the only thing left behind are be pictures and memories. What do you want them to be? Okay. Here's what that does. I need to make sure that you and your wife's goals are aligned. Your perfect day has some similarities. What you would do with a million dollars has some overlap. I don't want you guys to have a life where she would give it all away and live in a uh, convent in Africa and you would spend it all on a new Harley and a new boat and, and travel the French Riviera, right? Th those are different, different moral and, and different sense of values. So please make sure that there's some overlap. I do this a lot with newly married couples or couples that are considering to be married, right? Some pre-marriage counseling. It's very important that we have this kind of foundation. Okay. Remember I mentioned, I don't want you to buy another home until you have at least one rental because the rental can act like a part-time job, right? It can bring an income without your wife having to leave your children. If she's making more money than you are, then fine. You're the one that stays home. It, it can happen. I have seen the quote, non-traditional, but having somebody there for the kids. And I love it uh, when people, I remember listening to Dr. Laura at one point. I don't agree with 100% of things she says. There's a lot of things she says that I don't agree with, okay? So some of you are going to say, oh, forget it. We talked about this. Have some maturity in your life. And she said something when she brought this up. I think it was in the 70s or 80s, probably 80s or 90s. And all the women were like, oh, no, I can work and have two lives. Got it. She said, wonderful. How many of you wish when you were born and raised that you were raised by somebody else other than your mom. Nobody raised their hands. How many of you would prefer to have been raised in daycare rather than your mom? Nobody raised their hands. So we make these intellectual decisions based on social pressures and internal guilt. I encounter it every day. Every day that I deal with clients, every day it's there. Right? You take your guilt and you think it's part of a math problem. You try to quantify your ability to, to feel a certain way with dollars, right? My job is the dollar side, but I'm a, an observer and even a participant on occasion on viewing your emotional decisions because they impact your financial. All right, continuing. This is important because if you have one or two rental properties, it can take the place of the part-time work. And here's where it works. It takes the pressure off of you. And your wife can learn to manage those rental properties, right? She, it's not something you do every single day, but she has value and purpose. Kids are in bed, kids are at school. She learns, maybe goes back to school, learns, learns QuickBooks or whatever it is to manage the business because it's a business. And then when it comes time for you guys to buy your next largest, biggest home, whatever it might be, you have assets, not a bunch of debt. 
You have dollars that are coming in from many different sources. Rentals and his job. Investment income, his job. I like it. Okay. Now the, the $64,000 question for those of you not born in the 40s to know what that really means. A $64,000 question. That was the prize. Who wants to be a millionaire? $64,000. Who wants to have $64,000? That's the number. And here's what it is. Simple enough. Ready? Do I take the $39,000 and pay off $19,000 in student loans? Many people, even good financial people, even honorable financial people might tell you to do it. I'm going to tell you the short answer is no. We don't. We keep making those $19,000 payments. I don't want you to put into retirement accounts anymore. No, no, no. Don't add any more to it. Double down on those payments. And let's see if we can get that paid off by the time you leave your job to have your baby. Even if you're just going to take six weeks off or four months off, whatever the government's giving you these days. Whatever they do, you take your time off, fine. But on the other side of it, I do not want you lose, using that 39000 to pay off your student loans. Not right now. If the time comes and you go, gosh, Eric, it's such a financial burden. We can't make the payment. If, if I don't pay it off, I'm going to have to go back to work. Fine. Then we have, right? Then, then the answer's done. It, the decision's made for us. But the short answer is I want you to stop adding to that 401k or whatever the company plan is that you work at, work with. I want you to take and turn those dollars and add it to that student loan payment. You signed up for it. They said you were a big adult. You were already doing the big adult things, probably having sex and drinking before you were 18 or 20, and you signed those forms. So you were playing adult. You signed up for it. You have to pay for it. All right? So we pay for it. If you pull money from this retirement account, remember the first hour of the show, and for those of you just joining us, the first hour of the show, we talked about your retirement accounts. If you pull money from it, it isn't yours. They're not designed to be pulled out in lump sums. They're designed to be taken out in payments, slowly, over lifetime. I didn't say this earlier, after age 59 and a half, because then you don't end up paying a penalty. Because the IRS and the state of California will charge you. Collectively, it's right around 12%. So you take out 40, 30, let's say, plus 10, plus 12. Half of that money will be gone to pay for your student loans if you say, give me one big check. So I don't want you to do that, please. Let's see how far we can get by paying that off in the next 8 or 9 or 10 months or 12 months before you end up having a child, Okay. Important. All right. Here's the most important part. Remember the car accident I told you about? You put in six or twelve hundred dollars a year, six hundred a month, or every quarter, whatever it is, six twice a year. You pay your six hundred bucks, twelve hundred dollars a year, and surprise, you crash your car. Here's a fifty thousand dollar new car. Remember that? Okay. Every once in a while, somebody passes away that you know, and they're young, and they young they have a young family. And then you see on social media or at church, they make an announcement that they're going to have a car wash to bury him and to help his wife and children. 
I, I want you to, to say to yourself, remember that three questions, the third one, how do you want to be remembered? Well, if you don't get life insurance, then part of the how you're going to be remembered is as a, as a schlep that didn't take care of his family. If you don't have any financial obligations or you have $10 million in real estate or, or $5 million in your retirement accounts, great, forget it. You don't, maybe probably don't even need life insurance to pay for the income. You might need it for other reasons, but not for that. All right, fine, you're good, you're healthy, you're strong. But if you're a son of a gun that says, I'm going to be your dad, God decided who and how many children you're going to have. And you said, honey, sweetie, wife, I'm going to take care of you, we're going to take care of each other, I'm here forever. Stay home and be with our kids. But you're not providing yourself or your family with a double backup protection plan called a life insurance policy? Then how are you going to be remembered is not very good, just so you know. Oh, he's, he's great. He was such a good guy. I loved his smile. He were hardworking. Yeah, but remember we had a car wash to, give his, to bury him? Remember that? Yeah. Remember we did a bake sale so that his kids could have new shoes for that Christmas, that, the Christmas right after he died? Yeah, remember that? That's, that's a shame and an embarrassment that if you're a working man and you have a family, somebody who says, you, we're, we're in this together, the together part says, in my opinion, a $2 million life insurance policy for you, right? We used to say $1 million, but not anymore, not with inflation and not with the price of things going up. So $2 million life insurance policy at your age, if you're healthy, 30-year, 30-year term policy. Now listen, there's term policies. Term is a time period. You can have a 10-year term. You can have a five-year term. Some companies sell one year, five-year, right? But 10-year 15, 20, 25, 30 years. That's about the range. Some companies do some of those. Some do all of them. But a 30-year time frame at your age, in your early 30s, let's just call it 34 years old because that's as early as early 30s can be. That means you're 64 by the time that policy is expired. I mean, in other words, it'll go up. You're still insured until age 90 but the price is only guaranteed for the next 30 years. The coverage is guaranteed to never go down and the price is guaranteed to never go up in the next 30 years. Pretty neat. You have to pay for it each and every year. You could do it one lump, one lump sum, one check. The cost on that at your age, I don't know. It's probably $100 a month, $125, $50 a month, something like that. But it has 30 years. Gives you time for you guys to pay down the student loan debt. Gives you time for the kids to have a college fund if you want them or, or a trade school fund, an education fund built up. Give you time to have your wife go back to work if she wants to. Gives you time to build up your own retirement savings in your one or two or three or five rental properties. It gives you time. I love it. The cost is probably $1,500 a year, maybe something like that. Again, depending on your health. We can help you with it. There's good companies out there, whatever you want to do. It isn't very profitable for the insurance agent or the company. That's why, because there's not a lot of money being charged. It also means they're less likely to pay it out. Because everybody knows the realistic shot of somebody in their early 30s dying in the next 30 years is pretty low. Unless it happens to you. 
right? You all have that cousin or that nephew or that friend who passed away young and everybody said, wow, I didn't, I never thought that would happen at that age. If he didn't have any responsibilities, it's still very sad, but it isn't an ongoing financial life-changing event for those that said he loved, that he said he loved. Douglas, you say you love your wife and potential children. God forbid you pass while she's pregnant, right? So a $2 million life insurance policy. Very important. I like the idea. And if your wife starts to work part-time and you're starting to build income from, from the rental properties or from her other business, or she puts on an online business to Amazon and other types of online public, right? Public Q or public HQ, public square, right? It's kind of a new entree into the social media world, into the online shopping. Maybe she starts a store. So you could use different financial means to help pay for that extra cost. But the bottom line is I want her to stop putting into her retirement account, use those funds to pay off her student loan, and in fact, use those dollars in addition to pay for your life insurance. Because now you're at the tip of the spear, man. You're, you're the leader of your family. There's an amazing book. It's called Point Man. Point Man. Steve Ferrar, I think is his last name. F-E-R-R-A-R? Steve Ferrar. Point Man. You need to get that. It's a book I read many years ago, probably 20, 25 years ago. I watched him speak. There's another book called Anchor Man. And he was in Vietnam, the author, and he talked about how the point man was in charge of the entire squad. It was his job to feel the instincts that was happening, uh, that were happening in front of him, his job to make decisions that were going to affect the lives and well-being of his men. And that point man is you and your family. You don't have to like it. You don't think it's fair. All that baloney, all that left-wing baloney, forget it. You told these people, trust me. Honey, marry me and I'll take care of you forever. Well, forever means her forever, too, not just yours. So $2 million life insurance policy. Pay down that student loan debt before she before she stays home. All right? Hey, guys, thanks for being a part of the show. I appreciate it. My name's Eric Hallaby. 888-997-3847. 888-99-RETIRE. It's been a blessing and an honor. We'll see you next week. Talk to you soon. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.